Hi, good morning. Welcome to BCI Cattle Chat. I'm Brad White. I'm joined today by a full house, so happy to have you guys with us and happy to have you listen well. Morning, Bob. Good morning. And Philip. Hey, Brad. Brian. Morning, Brad. And we've got Colton with us this morning. Colton. Good morning. Colton is a veterinary student, not for long, only a few weeks left in his program, so he's going to be graduating. We wanted to get him to join us today, talk some about the programs that he's been through here at Kansas State, what he's planning to do in practice, and we'll talk a little bit about what all of us would say to somebody that's in high school or college thinking about veterinary school. We're also going to touch on BSEs in bulls. Before we get into those topics, we've been introducing kind of the podcast crew. And Philip, I wanted you to tell us a little bit more about you today. Okay, Brad. So I grew up on a family farm in Illinois. As we talked last week, not very far from Dustin, where he grew up. And we knew each other a little bit in high school. After that, um, got my bachelor's degree there at the local university and then I worked for a couple of years at a small feed yard there in central Illinois beside, before I decided to come back to school. Ended up getting my master's at University of Missouri, PhD at Texas A&M and then bounced around a little bit before I landed here at K-State. So I've got some experience in, in several different states, put it that way. Many of you out there may know uh, Sarah Lancaster who's doing an awesome job as the weed science extension specialist for Kansas. Uh, Levi, who's nine, and Caleb, who's seven. Excellent. Well, we're glad to have you with us. It's always great to have a a nutrition impact input on some of the topics that we discuss because it's really important. And you've done some cool research while here looking at sustainability, grazing practices, as well as looking at the nutrition role in things like BRD. So we're happy to see some of your research as part of our program. As always, we we appreciate listener questions, so you can email us at bci.ksu.edu or you can reach out to us on Twitter at the underscore BCI. Before we get into our topics for the day, uh, wanted to, I, I wanted to kind of expand our knowledge base. We always talk about cattle stuff. We always talk about health and disease. But I wanted to ask you guys some questions. And this is going to be a little bit of a stretch, so it may test some of your musical knowledge. So I'm going to go in the way back machine and ask you a couple questions. So one, Mark Chestnut sang a song and... Bubba ended up shooting the jukebox. Why did he shoot the jukebox? Played a sad song. Played a sad song. Made him cry. (laughs) Played a sad song, made him cry. I knew this would be too easy for Larson. I'm old enough. You're old enough. Okay, next Uh, one. You can go back farther. Okay. (laughs) Next one, George Strait, before he was singing so much, he was a property salesman. He was selling oceanfront property in Arizona. And if you bought it, what would he throw in for free? Golden Gate, Gate Bridge. Bridge. Yeah. Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. Okay. Last one. Don Williams moved to California, but he always lived in blank time. You said I could go back further, Bob. Mm-hmm. I, I know this, uh, but my brain is kind of locking up here. I actually believe that's uh, honky tonk. Tulsa time. Tulsa time. Tulsa time. Yeah. Sorry, Colton. Those weren't really geared toward. Yeah. You guys had an unfair advantage. No. Before before Colton was born. <laughs> Unfair advantage. So Colton, we're, we're happy to have you with us. Colton's from Stockton, Kansas, and it has been here at vet school and gone through his program. And this is his senior year and you're getting ready to go out into a mixed animal practice. So we appreciate you joining us, especially on a day when, as you go through veterinary school, there's lots of different challenges. One of those is you have overnight emergency duty. So Colton spent the night here working last night and then was able to join us here this morning. Tell us a little bit about you, Colton. 
Yeah, so like Brad said, um, I'm from Stockton, Kansas, um, in, in northwest Kansas. Kind of, I grew up on a, a family farm outside of town, and I, I think we might even touch on it later today or later in the in the podcast. But I, I was one of those people um, that kind of always knew that vet school was what I wanted to do. Um, so I've kind of always been going down that path, and um, yeah, I've made it this far. So. Just a few more yep. weeks to go. Excellent. And one of the things that you've done through school is, you, is you've tried to kind of tailor your program to be in a mixed animal practice with an emphasis on food animal. And there's a couple programs that we do here at K-State that I'd like to get your input on and maybe get the faculty's input as well. Two of them that you've participated in are the Food Animal Veterinary Certificate, which is relatively new and an outline of courses and procedures and things that you do to have an emphasis on food animal. And the other is the veterinary training program for rural Kansas, which gives you a scholarship as you go through school, as long as you spend five years in a rural community. So the first one I'd like you to ask you about is the food animal veterinary certificate. And what were some of your experiences through that program? Yeah. So like you said, it's a pretty, I mean, it's a new program and you know, I, I really appreciate the, the way that it, it, provides opportunities to kind of, you know, get the, get the procedures that I'm going to be expected to do right away out, you know, once I get out in practice and, um, getting the chance to perform those with guidance, direct, you know, guidance from clinicians with years of experience, um, is, was probably my favorite part of the program. Yeah. It gives you a list of things that you need to be able to do specifically when you get out so that you can focus on making sure you do things well. And those get assessed as you go through the program. Brian and Bob, you guys are both advisors for food animal certificate students. What are what are your thoughts? Yeah, and, and you might just mention that you know one of the one of the outcomes for the student that goes through this program is on their diploma. There's a denotation that they were student that completed the food animal veterinary certificate program. So as somebody that would be looking to hire an associate veterinarian, they can look at that, and and I it gives them a the student and the employer both a little bit different perspective on what the skill set for that graduate veterinarian should be in practice as they as they get into practice. Yeah. Another aspect of the program is really some of the electives. So electives for a veterinary student are courses that not all, you know, there's about 115 students per class in vet school, and vet school takes four years. And most of the classes, all 115 students take at the same time at the, you know, they're they're all taking the same things. But there's every semester there's room for a few electives. And those electives, you know, as you might imagine, cover a lot of different topics. But uh, there are some really good electives for students that are going to do uh, beef cattle or food animal practice. And some of those include, you know, a cow-calf emphasis, uh, kind of an advanced cow-calf class, an advanced feedlot placement class, a number of electives looking at, you know, running a, a rural business, those types of things which the students in the in the food animal certificate program kind of can can emphasize those types of electives and it, and it makes for a a training program that is hopefully really sets them up for success as they move into a mixed animal practice in a rural community absolutely and that that food animal certificate program while relatively new we've got about 70 students in that program so there as they go through school I think that has become an important part. You mentioned the electives. Colton mentioned some of the procedures. I think that's been a, a really good program. In addition to that, you're also a member of a even a little more select group with the VTPRK or the Veterinary Pro Training Program for Rural Kansas, which is funded by the state of Kansas, gives you a scholarship as you go through veterinary school, 
And then each year after that, that part of that loan is forgiven as long as you're in rural practice. That program has been going about 15 years, been very successful. Over 90% of those graduates are still practicing in a rural area. What were some of your experiences with that program? Because it had a little bit different emphasis on not just the medicine, but some of the business aspects. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. That that part of the program I found particularly interesting and and useful. I think second year, in between uh, second and third year, we had a business class um, where we you know we brought in kind of different different experts in you know from main campus here at K State and um, learned about you know things as you know from uh, inventory management to personnel management and just kind of starting to get your feet wet a little bit with the business management side of um, rural medicine um, was, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that part of the program for sure. Yeah, and I think that's that's one thing that's a little bit different as you go into a rural practice. Often you've learned about the medicine stuff, but the business stuff you have to figure right, out along yeah. the way. So it gives you a little bit of background. And we talked about some of those elective courses. One of the elective courses that you just took was the bull BSE or breeding soundness exam course. What did, what did you do in that course? So we spent uh, we spent a lot of time looking under microscopes um, and and um, getting really comfortable, you know, evaluating the semen and you know learning learning basically you know all the abnormalities and just getting them burned into our brain. And we spent a lot of time in the field too, actually collecting bulls for um, producers and you know performing the BSE for them in kind of a, a learning type format or a learning learning situation and um, yeah just just getting comfortable working with the producers performing the BSC and then making the appropriate recommendations for them absolutely and you and you get a lot of good experience there hands-on because BSEs or breeding soundness exams are in bulls are really important and I want to ask you guys if I have a mature bull that did well last year do I need to BSEM again this year I think one of the things that I my answer is going to be yes, and it's because, and maybe because I am the old man in the group, just because I could do things five years ago doesn't mean I can do them now. And maybe five years in a human life might be like a, a year for a, a bull or something like that. So, you know, things like musculoskeletal uh, damage, just wear and tear, uh, feet and legs, and, and, and semen production and quality, just because uh, that was good a year ago, there, there's actually a lot of things that can happen in the meantime, disease, stress, nutritional stress, a lot of things. And, and semen production is something that's pretty sensitive to stressors. And so if a bull has goes through a particularly difficult time, and again, that might be illness or losing weight or something like that, it's going to show up in poor quality semen. And so a bull that did great last year, again, feet and legs, musculoskeletal, just getting old, all of those as are reasons that it's pretty important to recheck him. And the reason I emphasize it's so important is a bull that can't get a bunch of cows bred will result in a bunch of cows not bred. There's the, there's the quote for the state for the day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My answer is yes, too. I agree with Bob. I think, yeah, it's it, it's an annual deal. And for all the same reasons, I'll, the other thing I'll add in that would commonly is injury. So um, injuries concur. And, you know, that's a happens very quickly. Some injuries could have happened at the end of the last breeding season and you just didn't notice and it resulted in a decrease in semen production or affects the musculoskeletal system or whatever. Usually you'll see those, right? But, um, or it could be an injury that's relatively recent, right? Um, maybe we've talked in the past about 
socializing new bulls and maybe we brought some new bulls in and there was some fighting and an injury happened and so I, yeah i'm i'm with bob i think a, an annual semen evaluation is a pretty important pretty important for your operation absolutely and colton i imagine as you went through you had some bulls fail oh yeah yeah absolutely we did yeah, I mean, even some of the older, you know, herd bulls, especially, you know, they, for whatever reason, they had a, a period of stress or something, um, and, and they were not, you know, they weren't going to be fit to be breeding any cows, and, it, I mean, the producers were glad that we caught them. Yeah, I think that's an important point, is even some of those older herd bulls that may look like they're doing okay, when you do the semen evaluation and the full evaluation of that bull, maybe, maybe they're not doing quite as well and might not be suitable for breeding cows, because... Nutrition is an important part of making sure those bulls made it through the winter okay. And do you, do you have any comments there, Philip, as you think about getting ready for the breeding season with those bulls? Yeah, well, I think we've talked about this a little bit before. Obviously, you don't want that bull too thin going into the breeding season. You want him to be a little bit fleshy. You know, he should be a six, six and a half on a body condition score because he should be losing weight here this next 45 or 60 days when he's breeding cows and chasing cows because if he's not doing that, He's not doing his job. He's probably out there. He's supposed to be out there exercising. If he's just hanging out under the tree, I'm not very happy with him. Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. So let's talk. We talked breeding soundness exam. Why don't you guys, and, and I may start with you, Bob, and then let Colton and Brian chime in. But tell me what all goes into that exam. I'm going to start with the physical exam because, again, you start with a good, healthy bull. And so you do a exam of, you know, so things like, eyes, ears, mouth, feet and legs. And I, I, can't, I focus on heat, feet and legs. And it's kind of like what Brian said, uh, because of injuries, because of wear and tear and those kinds of things. So a good physical exam, just make sure that the bull isn't, because he's going to be a breeding athlete. He's going to be out there covering a lot of miles. Uh, he needs the, the, the health to do that. Colton, you talked about the breeding soundness exam, the semen evaluation part, and you talked about abnormalities. So what are, what are you actually looking for there? So we'll first, you know, we'll, we'll start by looking for just the, the gross motility and um, even the progressive motility um, of the semen. Um, there's a certain cutoff we look for, the 30% um, motility. So we'll, we'll take a drop of it, of the semen sample on a slide, look at it under the microscope, make sure we have a good enough motility. Um, if, they'll pa if they pass on motility, then we'll, we'll take a different slide, stain it, look at each sperm cell individually, and uh, kind of look for the different the different abnormalities that w that we can see for for different reasons. Um, with again a certain cutoff there being seventy percent normal. So essentially, how well are they moving around? And then if they're moving around well, then I'm going to look at the cells and I may count a hundred or so mm -hmm. and find out how many of those are abnormal. Because we expect some abnormal, but they have to be above a certain cutoff. Right. So Brian, yeah. if they if yep. they so kind of in between the two. So we've got a good physical exam. We've got the semen evaluation itself, and then there's probably the physical exam of the reproductive tract itself, right? So we'll measure skirtal circumference, and usually for mature bulls, we've already, you know, that's kind of important for yearling bulls, but we'll, we'll do it with mature bulls just to make sure there haven't been any changes. We want to palpate the scrotum, the testicles, make sure they're freely movable, make sure there's no, you know, they're not attached, inside, there's no adhesions, anything like that. And then when we actually do the semen collection, we want extension of the penis. So we want to make sure there's no adhesions there. There's no hematomas. Um, everything looks fine. So uh, we'd look for warts at that time. So there, there, there's a kind of a, there's the general physical exam of the animal. And then there's the, 
more focused exam of that reproductive tract. So last question on this, if I'm picking between two bulls, you guys talked about a lot of data you're going to collect, including the number of abnormalities. Can I pick a bull that's going to be a better breeder because he has better numbers than another bull if they both pass? The way we look at the, the results of the test, it's a pass-fail test. And we try to have a pretty rigid or con, uh, conservative test so that, 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 that I fail bulls that are likely to not do well. On the flip side of that, though, is if they pass, reproduction is complex enough because of things like behavior and there's a large enough insemination dose each time the bull breeds the cow that, that there's room for some, some slack there, which is good. And so, no, we can't really rank bulls in fertility based on a breeding soundness exam. Really, you can't rank bulls on fertility until the calves are born. Okay. And then it's a little late. So it's pass-fail, but as you guys said, even our, a lot of people in the country get a new bull or yearling bull. They're going to get him BSE examined. But we're recommending that you would also do that on your mature herd bulls year, after, year over year. So last topic I wanted to get to, and we've got Colton here, so I'll get his opinion first, is if you think about there are, there are students that may be high school students or college students and are thinking about veterinary school, what, what would be your words of advice to them? I think the, the biggest thing I could you know, say to them would be to get into some clinics. You need to spend you know, as much time as you can you know, in a clinic or in several clinics seeing seeing different ways of doing things um, and really just seeing what the job, you know, really is all about before you, you, you know, commit to, to the undergraduate work and then going on to vet school. Absolutely. Understand what job you're getting into. And Philip, you're a nutritionist, but you teach here at the veterinary school. What are, what are some of the things that you see that might be beneficial for students thinking about veterinary school? Well, so, you know, from a nutritionist perspective, there's not a whole lot of nutrition through the veterinary program. And so that might be a good focus to get some good nutrition courses as an undergrad. So you've got that base knowledge there. Um, I know, you know there are quite a few veterinary students who first get a master's degree, and, and lots of times that's in nutrition before they come to, to vet school. And so um, I think those are some key things to think about. So you've got a well-rounded education, especially if you're going to go into a role at practice with production animals. Absolutely. Bob, you've interviewed students for several years. What, what are some of the things that you see that maybe make students stand out or not stand out as they go through that part of the process? Well, you know, one of the things that I like about the veterinary profession is it's, it's pretty broad in that there's lots of career paths. So even if, if someone's kind of interested in the livestock side of it, you've got some, some specialty clinics or specialty practices that are maybe focused solely on dairy or swine or feedlot. You've got mixed mammal practices, which have, may have a livestock focus in many rural areas, but then they would also do some companion animals, some dogs and cats and horses and some other things as well. And those are different careers and, and honestly different people that really prefer kind of the, 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 the mix of works. And that's kind of what Colton was saying is see some different practices. Uh, they're all going to be a little bit different. Uh, see what kind of fits your personality and your drive the most. And so that's one of the neat things about the veterinary profession. There's there's a lot of different career paths, and we honestly see some different students. There's a lot of students like Colton that, you know, by the time they were in high school, they kind of knew that, that uh, vet med was the career for them. We've also had people that uh, have maybe come to undergraduate work, started in animal science or started in engineering or something else, and then as they go through courses or other life experiences, they decide maybe, maybe a career uh, in animal health would be right up their alley. 
And so you've got some kind of newcomers to uh, vet med by the time they interview for vet school and some that have been really focused on this. And, and, and there's some advantages and disadvantages each way. For the student that's known it for a while, they've had more opportunities to get into some clinics and see what, see what uh, the veterinary professions is like. For someone that kind of comes from a different interest, well, they bring a different perspective and a different set of interests. Which is excellent, and that's where Colton's advice, I think, really comes in handy of getting in those clinics. Brian, what, what, about, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I guess a couple things. One is just as a, as a high school student, understand that if you want to be a veterinarian, there's a period of being a professional student that becomes before that. And so the one piece of advice that I got and I probably didn't pay enough attention to was you need to learn how to study because it is it is extremely rigorous four years of what is essentially an avalanche of new information. And so you will you will take you, you may take some classes initially that you've had undergraduate classes in things like anatomy, physiology, those are offered. And so having those solid background, but then you're going to start taking classes that you've never taken before, and you're going to learn a new language, a whole bunch of information. And so really learning how to study um, is a very valuable skill. And it and actually probably would have made my four years a little less stressful and a little more enjoyable. So that would be my advice. I think that's a good point because before you turn pro, you have to turn pro as a student, right? Is what you're <laughs> that saying. Is, that is absolutely correct. Yes. Hey, Colton, would you, you'd probably agree with oh, yeah. that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. No question there. You got to know how to study. So I think that's something that as you, as you go through school, preparing to be in that final school stage. But as you look back on the last four years, what were some of your favorite things or what were some of the best experiences? We talked some about your food animal experiences, but what were some of your best experiences going through school? I think it's definitely my classmates. Um, just going, going through, you know, we're all going through the same thing. We're, you know, we all have the same three tests this week and, uh, you know, we're all studying the same stuff and, just kind of knowing that we're all kind of in it together and, and we'll, we'll get through it one way or another. I think, I think that's a really important lesson because as all of us go through and whatever life stage you're in and whether you're going to vet school or not, whatever you're doing, there's often people going through that same thing. So being able to communicate, relate to them can make it really important. So as you, as you think about, as we kind of wrap this up, and, and Colton, you've been through several things, and congratulations on going through the Food Animal Certificate Program, the Veterinary Training Program for Rural Kansas, and you're preparing to start practice here in a few weeks, and where are you going to start? Yeah, so uh, I have a, a mixed animal job in, in Marion, Kansas. Really looking forward to, to starting there. I got to spend three weeks, oh, about a week ago, three weeks, um, just got back from an externship and got to kind of get my feet wet there and really looking forward to getting down there excellent won't be long for it's not just your feet that are wet <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna be all the way in what i've heard so it'll be it'll be good and we appreciate you making time to to join us today and we appreciate you listening as always if you have questions comments things you'd like us to talk about you can send us an email at bci at ksu.edu or you can contact us on twitter at the underscore bci